it, it worked for me. And then I started talking to my patients about it. Comes right. in a cardboard box or a plastic bag, don't eat it. If you do that, you're going to take back your health. You may not be cured of everything, but you're going to be infinitely better. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's gotten worse. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Before we start in with this podcast of healing, I want to plug another project, a website of healing, disease-reversals.com. I've been working hard to develop and roll out this website. Disease-reversals.com is an online, grassroots catalog of healing. It catalogs disease reversal stories posted online across the web, across the world, and it categorizes them by disease and by diet used. There are already hundreds of disease reversals cataloged at disease-reversals.com. This website is for anyone asking, can my condition, say type 2 diabetes, be improved with diet? Check out disease-reversals.com and see what has been happening in the real world. Oh, heal yeah. DiseaseReversals.com. I am honored to get to interview today's guest, an Australian orthopedic surgeon and hero of the health and nutrition world. My guest today was silenced for helping his patients with nutritional advice. He was persecuted, but he stood strong, knowing he was doing what was right, and eventually he was exonerated. But before taking on the establishment, with his message emphasizing the importance of real food, he had to heal himself of prediabetes, high blood pressure, inflammatory joint disease, psoriasis, and more. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Gary Fetke. How are you doing today, Gary? I'm fine, Joe. It's evening here and it's um, <clears throat> crack of dawn for you. <clears throat> um, I think hero could be a bit strong, but thank you for that intro. It's uh, certainly been a journey for myself and, and the family. Um, but it, it's about, I mean, I'm often quoted for saying, you know, once you see something, you can't unsee it. And I've seen the health benefits of, uh, you know, changing diet and nutrition for myself. And then I've seen it for my family. I've seen it for my patients. I've, I've, not quite that order. So it was myself, my surgical team, family, <clears throat> other staff, and then I, I, I couldn't shut up. That's why it had to be for my patients. And I see it every day now. You know, those people who actually take back control of their life, and that's what it's about. It's empowerment. It's, you know, climbing out of that sickness industry. That is empowering, and I've heard a lot of people, a lot of doctors, in fact, uh, Dr. Brian Lenskes is one um, doctor who I've heard use that same phrase a lot, that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, I know where Brian stole it from. <laughs> Is that from you? Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's definitely stolen from me, that one. So I'll, I'll, I'll bet. I actually had an email from him this morning, so I might bag him out about that. <laughs> oh, that's great. But that's okay. It's okay. I mean, that's the whole concept is let's keep our messaging very simple, keep it very clear. Because it is actually a simple message, you know, eat real food, um, you know, and I, I, in the process of all of this, I've, re, I've dared to rewrite the dietary guidelines for the world in one sentence. And, um, and we might as well start off from there because then we can, we can go on so many tangents. But sure. <clears throat> the way we should eat, should we, we should be eating fresh, local, seasonal, whole food based on our cultural beliefs an environment, reducing added sugar and processed food. Now, that's the way we evolved over a couple of million years. We managed to get to the top of the food chain. We then had an agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago or so, 
we started introducing a few health problems. Then we started processing our food big time in the last 100 years and then we've screwed ourselves over. So when people say this is, you know, low-carb, keto, you know, paleo in some forms, when we say that's dangerous, it's not. It's actually the way we evolved. And that definition I gave at the beginning is by when you take, when you take it apart, it is low-carb, the right amount of protein and having healthy fats in the diet. It's, it, it's not, you know, it's not carb-ridden, you know, which is what the standard diet is at the moment, 50% carbohydrate, completely unnecessary. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, you know, it makes sense looking back over kind of human history and, um, as you said, fresh, local, seasonal. Um, these are the foods that would have been available traditionally. Mm. And, um, and I, I'm, I've, I've talked a lot about um, latitude. So, you know, there are the, the food sources particularly – you know, things like fruits are more, you know, more available towards the, the equator. And the further you get away from it, the less available they are. And that's it, the interesting thing about latitude is that the further, obviously the further you get away from the equator, you, the less sunlight you get. Less sunlight you get, the less vitamin D exposure. And vitamin D is so critical to the management of inflammation, and particularly the metabolites of fructose, which is half of sugar. Uh, this is all just biochemistry. You know, what, ha what happens with nutrition inside our bodies, inside our cells, is biochemistry. It's science. And what happens outside of our bodies with nutrition is opinion, money, politics, religious ideology. And, but, and everything I've said there is completely buried in the pages of history. You don't have to go that far back. You know, we're just being screwed over by vested interests which actually aren't interested in our health. Right. That is, um, I, you know, I've heard different podcasts with you and with your wife, Belinda, talking about this. And it really is fascinating to hear about all those vested interests. I'm curious with you, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, you mentioned a bunch of people who have really improved their health. And then you said, uh, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you said it well. It didn't happen in that order. Um, when when did the light bulb um, switch on for you as far as um, how food can really impact your health and kind of what's your um, your personal health background? Look, I, I struggle with my weight as a kid. I was a fat kid, um, and I don't mind using the word fat, and you know, because that's it's descriptive. And Fettke actually is actually in German, it's actually the key to fat. So maybe I've actually got the diagnosis. I'm allowed to speak about it. I didn't work that out for years, you know. I'm quite silly sometimes. But I was a fat kid, um, you know, with the school swimming photos. You know, I was a, the kid with a, you know, a bit of a belly sticking out. My mother had me on diet since the age of 10. You know, in retrospect, I was very plethoric, very red in the face. I, was, I mean, I'm still a bit plethoric, but nowhere near what I was as a kid or even 10 years ago. Um, interesting. So I started having you know, some joint aches as a kid and sort of in, by the time I'm in my, um, what was it, 38, I had a, um, a tumour on the base of my brain, big pituitary gland tumour that was knocking my hormones around. I was 20-odd kilos heavier than where I am now. My blood pressure was up. I, you know, in retrospect, I was pre-diabetic. I, you know, I had some skin conditions. Um, you know, it, it, I was actually you know, just a classic case of metabolic syndrome developing. You know, that's what we now call it. And it, was, you know, it wasn't that term 20-odd years ago. But the trouble for me is I was actually doing everything right. You know, I was actually eating by that food pyramid. Literally, I, you know, I you know, truly ate by that food pyramid and, and had my breakfast cereal and, you know, with fruit juice and a grain bread and a low-fat yogurt, washed it down with a bit of, you know, honey on, on grain bread. But realising in retrospect I was having 30 teaspoons of sugar for breakfast. And then I was actually running and exercising to control my weight. And as, as time went on, I was just exercising harder and harder. My weight was going up 
slowly but you know steadily and sure i'd have a bit of chocolate and all that so it wasn't perfect but you know i wasn't that far off the food pyramid then i got hit by this tumor and then um again i'm a slow learner i i, I was we were some essentially a pharmacist came you know told me about the role of metformin you might have heard of metformin it's a drug used in diabetes management we're going back more than 10 years ago now. She said, there's some articles coming out talking about the role of metformin in cancer. And metformin in cancer is that they improved outcomes. And so I started looking at a bit of metformin. I went, actually, well, that's actually just lowers your blood sugar. And then I went back 10 years before and I looked at my PET scan, which was of the tumour. And a PET scan is a special scan they look to work, to work out you know, where tumours are. And it actually lights up based on glucose metabolism. So it's sugar metabolism, the PET scan. So the more aggressive you've got something, the PET scan is going to be positive. And there it was, my tumour lit up on the, pit, on the PET scan. And I went, oh, my God, it eats sugar. I know it, it, this is really simple stuff, but it, it was my, that was my light bulb moment or WTF moment. I went, this thing is actually eating, growing and thriving on sugar. I can take a drug called metformin to lower my blood sugar, but why don't I just not eat sugar? I know that's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's when the journey started. And I, I went back to biochemistry and I was no good at university at biochemistry. I mean, that was one of those things you learned the Krebs cycle. You try and, you know, I managed to probably pass it. I've got no idea what marks I got, but I knew they weren't outstanding at university when it came to biochemistry. So I became a mature age biochemist because that's unarguable. You can't argue with that statement of what's, you know, what's happening inside the cell. You put glucose into the body, you put fructose in, you put proteins, you put fats in. They're all metabolized in only the one way. And so that, and, and the beauty of all of this, and I come back to the Krebs cycle all the time, which is how we convert our fuel into energy. ATP. You've heard of that? ATP. I mean, most people yeah. have heard of that. But that's the energy of our bodies. It's the energy of life. It's not, you know, that's whether or not you're an animal or a human or a bird or an insect or a spider. It's all related to ATP and how we convert carbohydrates, proteins, and healthy fats into energy. So it's, there is no single biochemical pathway that requires for us to eat carbohydrate. There are essential proteins, there are essential fats. There is no human requirement for us to eat carbohydrate. Carbs are there at the time of plenty in nature. And arguably, it's actually only seasonal fruit if you go back throughout, you know, because the vast majority of us, you know, we're hunter-gatherers, we might have grabbed berries, but arguably we were, we were flesh animal-based um, hereditary. And so, but at the times of plenty, when fruit was on the trees and on the bushes and we could get hold of it, we would actually be driven towards it. And, there's all, and that's what fructose does. Fructose, arguably glucose, will drive us towards stuffing our faces with more, more carbohydrate so we get fat for winter. It's a wonderful survival mechanism. But, you know, there, there's supermarkets out there every day that mean we're not, actually requiring it to start, you know, to get fat for winter hibernation tomorrow. And you can see that frenzy on Christmas Eve. I presume it's the same thing in the US, you know, that the shops are closed for one day and this is enormous frenzy of shopping in the two days before Christmas because we might all starve to death with our fridges that are, you know, completely overflowing with food for Christmas. Right. So, but that, you know, arguably, and so I've learned a lot about sugar. And that's where my journey started. And then I realised it wasn't just sugar. It was the, the role of the combination of sugar, refined carbs and polyunsaturated oils. And, you know, again, I was on that pathway. Belinda would always say, you know, first of all, I came home. I said, we're going to get rid of all the sugar, but it's okay to have carbs. And then I came home and then I said, actually, I think these polyunsaturated oils are dangerous. We've got to get rid of them. But it's still okay to have carbs. And then I came across this thing called the polyol pathway and I said, actually, we can't have carbs either. And she, 
she came, I came home one day and I said, this is, you know, I'd be going through the house and the fridge and the pantry and, you know, and then she'd go, if you take out one more thing from this house, if you take bacon out of this house, you're out, okay? <laughs> so thank goodness bacon's in. You know, we don't have a lot of it, but it's in the house. Nice. So, um, but in 2013, 2014, I put a jigsaw puzzle together, which is now starting to become somewhat considered, and I came up with what's called a nutritional model of inflammation. And, I, you know, I'm proud to say that, you know, that, you know, I, I you know, built on the on the work of many others, but that jigsaw came together for me one weekend. I can still remember getting very excited. Five uh, person, four country, you know, um, Skype meeting that we had at the time, saying, "I think I've got it. I think I've got the jigsaw." And everyone went, "Oh my God, could be right." So we that model is that that combination of refined carbohydrate, fructose, and polyunsaturated oils combines to give us a massive inflammatory load to the body. So that's inflammation in the blood vessel walls, it's inflammation in the cell membranes, it's inflammation in the tissues. And if you can do an inflammation sits behind every single medical complaint. It's there. It, the, the first basic problem is inflammation in our tissue. Doesn't matter if it's mental health disease, doesn't matter if it's cancer or diabetes, obesity, arthritis, autoimmune disease, it started with inflammation. Sure, insulin resistance comes into it as well, but inflammation is the, tr is the trigger. So I describe that mechanism as a hypothesis, not really realizing that if I'm right, then the entire food industry is wrong. And then they started coming down on me because I was on social media, started putting out there. And I couldn't believe that I'm just, you know, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a place called Tasmania, which, you know, the bottom end of the world and couldn't believe how much trouble I got into. Yeah, that is, um, you know, it is fascinating. Um, were you, um, at the time, um, had you started using this with your patients yet? Well, no, it's the very first thing. I actually cut my leg over a summer just before Christmas. And I cut my leg and I couldn't run around doing all that exercise. And I decided, okay, I'm going to give up sugar. And over the next six weeks, without any exercise, I lost eight kilos. You know, I lost, what's that, um, nearly 20 pounds. Yeah. Just by doing nothing. And I went, uh, and there's a fellow here in Australia called David Gillespie who wrote a book, um, Sweet Poison. And I came across that, I read it, and I thought, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. <laughs> I was sitting around. So, and and I've, I've come to know David quite well and we've lectured together and, and I've introduced him. So this is the guy I tried to prove wrong because, I, you know, I then found his references. I'm going to try and actually find other references that because I couldn't believe what was happening to myself. Yeah. And so as it turned out, he was right. Uh, you know, he's a lawyer. You know, he, he, he just... He actually used to work for the tobacco industry, so he's quite aware of all their tactics. Yeah, and so, therefore, he came out calling it. And he was David was absolutely right. So, I mean, I'm not the first person to talk about sugar. Might have been one of those very first ones to talk about inflammation. Um, so, you know, David, it, it worked for me. And then I started talking to my patients about it. Um, in the hospital situation, at that time, I was doing, a, you know, looking after most of the diabetic foot complications in northern Tasmania, and you know, where I used to occasionally do nibbling of toes and feet became a weekly event of actually chopping a bit of toe off, a bit of foot off, a bit, you know, a bit, you know, okay, you know and regularly having to chop legs off. Wow! And every my clinic on a Friday used to be called um, Fetke's Effed Up Fructose Free Fungating Foot Folly Friday. <laughs> I don't know what the effed up meant, but the uh, but essentially there'd be people coming in there with their limbs rotting off. It was a modern day leper colony, and, I, and, and, it, and it sounds dramatic, but when you can see something that's completely preventable, becoming of epidemic proportions, you know, a real epidemic. You know, this is affecting far more than any pandemics we've got at the moment. Diabetes is out of control. 
at a far greater economic cost to society. But when you can see that that was completely preventable, and so I started making a song, you know, a bit of noise about that because my patients with diabetes in hospital were, be, were being given three ice creams per day. I said, ice creams for people with diabetes. And then I was told that was the guidelines. And I said, well, the guidelines are wrong. And then they said, well, you know, you have to change the guidelines. And I said, okay, let's have a crack. So, but, you know, along the way, the, the, the food, you know, the cereal industry in particular here in Australia had me targeted as the only Australian doctor for targeting. Um, and I had, I had no idea. I was naive. I was just trying to do the right thing by my patients, trying to make a change in my own hospital, my own community, knowing that I was right. Right. And then, then the whole thing snowballed from that. You know, a bit like what happened to Tim Noakes in South Africa. It just snowballed. But like Tim, and Tim's become a very good friend, if you know you're right and you, you, just, you just stay your ground. And sure, it, it took both of us years to get off. And Tim actually got off about, oh, I don't know, about two or three months before my, my case. And then... Um, Ultimately, when I was exonerated by the medical board and apologised to, um, Tim was the first person we rang. Um, I can still remember him having a, having a Skype meeting. He was having a cup of coffee, a bit like you are, but he was doing it in the, in the cafeteria in, in, um, in Cape Town. It was a good, good feeling, but we're still battling this. Yeah. This is a complete no-brainer. You know, you know, here's the argument. We're telling people to eat real food comes right. in a cardboard box or a plastic bag, don't eat it. If you do that, you're going to take back your health. You may not be cured of everything, but you're going to be infinitely better. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's gotten worse. Wow. And so I want to um, rewind to your story. You know, you mentioned having, um, having a tumour, you had um, high blood pressure, you had skin conditions, um, how did they respond? You said initially you cut out sugar. Um, how did your personal health respond to cutting out sugar? And then how did things evolve from there? Oh, look, I'm, I'm infinitely healthier now than I was 10 years ago. Um, the great tragedy for me is I'm still ugly. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but I've got a, a wife who loves me. Um, look, it, it you know, it, I think it's easier for people now to go cold turkey, you know, cut your sugar, cut your carbs, cut your polyunsaturated oils, and you'll feel the benefits quicker than probably I did. The weight was the thing which came down for me, first of all. Um, going back at that point in time, I was on 11 different medications, some to be treating some of the other the side effects of, of others I was on. I was on a, a, a low-grade chemotherapy. Um, I had reflux. My blood pressure was up. Um, I was on nothing for my diabetes. Um, my headaches were, you know, poorly controlled. And it, it, essentially, it's just been, let's take off this medication, see what happens. Actually, I feel better. <clears throat> and, and, my, you know, and so, therefore, a lot of the blood pressure medication. And then I had a, a heart arrhythmia as well. And, but that had probably been related more to sport than the diet, but not helped by it. But effectively... When you start looking up the side effects of medications, you realise they all end up getting tied up together. And uh, that's, that's a personal ongoing issue for me is that people go to their doctor and with a problem and the doctor then puts them on medication, which can be lifelong, without telling them all the side effects. Now, if I, if I operate on you... <clears throat> we go through a process of informed consent. I'll talk about the operation, the pros and the cons of it. And I get you to sign a consent form. When was the last time someone went to a doctor and had to sign a consent form for starting a drug that's lifelong? Diabetes, medications, hypertension, statins. All of these drugs have got massive side effects. And the reason doctors don't do it is that that would just take too much time. Imagine every time I write a prescription out for someone, I've got to write, do a consent form. The whole system would just grind to a halt. Here it is. Here's the page. 
we've got to go through one page of writing about all the risks and benefits, or mostly the risks. And yet we do it to patients all the time. And so and the only people who are missing out are patients. But the ridiculous thing is if you actually go back to eating real food, we can get people off the vast majority of their medications. We can prevent all these diseases. Diabetes type 2 does not, you know, is a completely preventable condition. And the complications of type 1, completely preventable. The results are there. But this is not in the interest of the food industry or the pharmaceutical industry to actually let that message get out there. And it's not a conspiracy because it's a fact. We've got so much evidence now with information being withdrawn off the internet. The latest one is Tracy Brown, who's the CEO of Diabetes USA. She's the first person, CEO of that Diabetes Association, who's actually had diabetes. Right. She's gone low carb upon taking up that CEO position. She's put, you know, I understand put it into remission. She started making noises about it, telling people about it. And those interviews, those comments have all disappeared off the internet in the last month. Wow. So I that's didn't I didn't realize they disappeared. I remember seeing a lot of people talk about them when they came out. She talked about... Um, how she was, yeah, being mindful of the carbohydrates that she consumed. And um, she met with Dr. Richard Bernstein. I forget if it's Bernstein or Bernstein, but um, I remember that made a lot of waves in the low-carb community at the time, but I didn't even realize that um, some of that information has been wiped from the internet. You've got to start searching really hard to find her comments now, whereas they were, they, were, they were right out there. We've spent the last week with a few others realising exactly how much of that commentary has come down. And you've got, you know, the, the journal articles are sponsored by the pharmaceutical industry. The, the, the studies looking at you know, management of diabetes, arguably even with plant-based, have all got vested interests and bias in there. Um, this week there was a slur out there about, you know, people with low carb trying to make money or making money. There's no one out there making money out of this community. It's only cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars so far, but there's no money out there, you know, and the few people who, you know, they might be scrimping and saving, but I don't see any of them, you know, traveling around the world on, you know, on yachts and, uh, it, it, and all of that is just deliberate misinformation. I, uh, yeah, I always find that comical too when people um, get called out for promoting low carb and, oh, you're just trying to sell books. You know, most of the people who are writing these books, I can't imagine they're making any more on their books. They're probably making a lot less than they would if they just focused, you know, heads down, focused on whatever their career was. Often they are doctors or medical professionals um, writing these books and um, you know, I'm sure they're making a lot less on their books than they can be making well, in their days. I mean, I'm very, very fortunate to have met an, a fabulous group of people over time and um, you know, I suppose, and we're not the first ones, you know, Banting back in the 1860s, 1870s was talking about this, so we're not the first group. But we've got a solidarity um, in some of, you know, the people, you know, I, 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 there's so many great people who are out there taking this message to the community now. But you know, we've, all, we've all copped a hammering for actually just saying what's right. And I can guarantee out of all those people, I don't know anyone who's making money. You know, they, might make, they might be making survival and, uh, but, and, and doing, you know, okay to put food on the table, but they're not, they're not making a lot. No. Well, I'm curious, um, you know, going back, you mentioned uh, some of the things that improved for you. You were able to come off... Um, is it 11 medications? No, I've been able to come off 10. 10, okay. Yeah, so 10's okay. I've got, I've got a, 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 an unusual condition called Addison's um, where my adrenal glands don't produce any cortisone. 
So I need to stay on a tiny little bit. But in the midst of all of this, Belinda said to me one day, why aren't you completely smashed and exhausted? Um, we were in the midst of a second Senate inquiry and she found me giggling in the car and she thought, he's lost the plot, he's finally cracked. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I've got an X-Man superpower. And she said, what on earth are you talking about? I said, I've got my Addison's. You know, she knew what it was and everything. I said, the great thing about Addison's is I can get completely stressed in the head, but my body doesn't produce any cortisol. Oh. So I don't get the physical manifestations of, of, of stress. And the moment I worked that out, I went, okay, let's keep going. And Belinda went, okay, let's keep going because she was stressed, but then she was worried about me. When she realised that, the system wasn't going to get me and it won't get me, then that's given us both strength to then continue on. And my, my, my work's been talking about the biochemistry. Belinda's work's been talking about the vested interest. She said that, you know, you guys, you know, Tim Noakes, myself, Zoe, um, Eric Westman, uh, Georgia Reed, uh, Sean Baker, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, Andreas, Ivor, everyone is in that space. You guys are talking about the science. Nobody's listening. Who's blocking that? And that's where her, her message is. So, you know, part of my health journey is that actually I've been supported by someone who's kept me healthy and sane. So, you know, but she's not tradable. You can't have her, all right? <laughs> yeah. You can have low-carb, healthy fat. You can have keto. You can eat, eat real food, but you can't have Belinda. So she's... Um, you know, she's been an enormous strength to me and anybody who's got their health journeys will realise that, in fact, you know, it's not, it's hard to do it by yourself. You need support, you need family, you need good friends. And I, and uh, we often talk about um, when you do low carb, to, you need Sam in your life. I don't know if you've heard of Sam. Sam is support, accountability and motivation. It's really hard to make dramatic lifestyle changes when everyone around you is telling you don't eat all that extra fat, it's going to kill you, it's going to raise your cholesterol and all that sort of thing. So you need to find like-minded people and that's where your podcast comes in where you're actually trying to make a difference, spread that message to a few others. And whether or not it's 10 or 100 or 1,000 or 10,000, it doesn't matter. If you, um, have you heard of the two keto dudes? I have, yes. I've heard some of their podcasts. Yeah, as it turned out, um, they were interviewing me and I didn't realise that right at the beginning, they came to um, uh, one of my talks. And um, as a result of that, um, Carl was rung up and then they started two keto dudes and their aim was to, in fact, just tell, make certain that whoever listened to it tells two people. Huh. So I didn't realise that my talk was the inspiration for two keto dudes. And we, we were doing a chat a couple of years ago about it. And so, but that's the power. It doesn't matter. If you can actually, if you're waiting for the bureaucracy to give this message of health and the ability to turn your health around, it's not going to come. There's right. So many, so, I mean, that's our work at the moment, not to be dispirited, but we're calling out those people, those institutions which are compromised, that literature yeah. that's been compromised. And um, I just read an article about the playbook of the food, of, you know, how to discredit people who are, and I, I've, I'm, it's going up on Twitter again tonight. This won't tie in with your podcast, but it will, it, it's literally the, the playbook of how you discredit those people that might be undermining your lousy food message. Hmm. And it's happened to me. It happens to others. So the only way this is going to go forward is by social media, podcasts, books, which nobody is selling and making money from. But that's the answer here. Yeah. Because it's, the top-down approach isn't coming. Right. Even though there are politicians that are doing this, they're not. Right. Our right. own health minister told me he'd given up sugar years ago. I said, well, why don't you tell the people? Well, I can't do that. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got to get get the message out however 
however we can. And I guess this is as good a time as any for me to plug another project I'm working on. Um, you know, just trying to get that uh, grassroots message out there. Um, I'm working on a website. It's available for anyone to go check out now. It's called disease-reversals.com. Um, it just tries to um, capture uh, disease reversals that people have posted about online, and it categorizes them by disease and by diet. So, you know, if you reversed type 2 diabetes with a low-carb diet, you can submit it to that website. And, um, you know, if you found, maybe you found someone posting about that on Twitter, you can paste that URL, say, hey, this person reversed type 2 diabetes with a low-carb diet, and the site categorizes those. And I'm hoping it can become a good reference for people, but, um, you know, just to say, hey, here are 127 type 2 diabetes reversals. I guess maybe there is something to uh, this. So, I don't know, just a, a cheap plug for a project I'm working on. Look, anytime. This is not to say there's not a role for traditional medicine, okay? I'm not, I'm not forever to anyone saying ignore your doctor, don't have, you know, don't, it's not about not seeing your doctor. You know, there are medications, there's cancer therapy, you know, there's, there's surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, they're all required. My argument is that we need to think that nutrition has a central role in our health and our healing process. And it's generally been tossed to the side. You know, like I'll go away, you know, I want you to lose weight, just eat healthy. What on earth does that mean? Right. I'll eat by the dietary guidelines. Well, sorry, hashtag failed dietary guidelines. I've, you know, I don't know if you've heard me say it. You know, if you eat by the food pyramid, you're going to die like the food pyramid. Along the way, you're going to look like the food pyramid. <laughs> and that, But that's what's happened, you know. We've had yeah. a trial of the dietary guidelines for the last 40, 50 years, and it's that whole change of processed food. We've had those dietary guidelines written by vested interests, effectively the processed food industry, farmer around the side of it because they, they, they're vertically integrated into the food industry. It, it, it's all there for the taking. Everyone's got the opportunity to take their health back. And when everything else is going down around you, and you actually, I often talk to my patients that they, that they come to me, they're in pain, they're worried about their health, they're worried about their knee, their hip, their, their, they're worried about their employment, their ability to actually pay the mortgage, they're worried about the, the holidays, how they're going to pay school fees, all those sorts of things. That, 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 that happens to everyone. And when you're in pain and you can't sleep at night because of whatever condition you've got, I say to them, look, you're down a deep, dark well. I can see that everything's overwhelming you. And particularly with all this COVID stuff, people can't get outside. They feel as though they've lost control. I say, the one, I'm going I'm to give you a ladder. I'm going to put a ladder into your well. And what you decide to eat or not eat today is your choice. No one else can decide that for you. You can decide to not eat. You can decide to fast. You can do whatever you want, but you have more control over your health outcome. And if you actually decide to go low carb, eating real food and toss out all the junk, then you've just put your first foot, your foot on the first rung and then see what it looks like from there. If you want to put your foot on the second rung, you're there. But you've got control over the one thing you've got control over when everything else is going pear-shaped. I almost said another four-letter word there. But when it's all going pear-shaped, it's the one thing you've got control over. I regularly say to patients, you know, just put one foot in front of the other and then repeat. Just do that. And then I've got so many good news stories, you know, personally with my patients and then welcome to social media and, 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 the, and the feed that you have from there. You know, you, know, the, you know, people come along and say, oh, you know, keto's dangerous. And you, okay, yes, you might go a bit through a keto flu at the beginning of this because you haven't done it right. You haven't had the right support, you know, of that, you know, SAM equation. You haven't had the right information. You know, keto flu is a you know, mild thing uh, for the vast majority of people. You know, people talk about a bit of constipation. Well, any diet's going to change with constipation. Um, 
just by way of example, I, you know, I saw a 70-year-old lady late last year and she came, her daughter brought her along. And this is just a, a story of reversal. It's another one for you, you know, diabetes, um, diseasereversal.com. I got that right, did I? You got that right, yeah. Okay, so I, did, I, I was paying attention. So, and she's in her 70s. Her daughter brought her along. Uh, this woman couldn't, she was struggling. She was in a frame. She had arthritis in the shoulders, arthritis in the hips, arthritis in the knees. And her daughter's a paramedic. And she said, look, um, can, can you give mum both barrels of the shotgun? You know, just talking about low carb and stuff. And I did, you know, and I, I wasn't really nasty to even though she was a little old lady. And I said, have a crack at this for three months and I'll see you. Anyway, I saw her three months later. Uh, she dropped 12 kilos in weight. She walked in without any frame. She lifted up her arms in, you know, which I know this is audio only, but she lifted up her arms. She literally did a bit of a hop and a step. And this is a lady with bare bone on x-rays in her shoulders, her hips, her knees. Well, she was, it wasn't inflammation. She was down to bare bone. And, I, and she said, uh, I said, look, um, well, I need to operate on something. I need to make some money. And she said, no way, Sonny, get out of here. I said, this is my <laughs> office. So this is fascinating for me that someone with bare bone arthritis can turn around their pain before they lose weight. I mean, she lost weight along the way, but I see it regularly. And it comes down to insulin again and inflammation. Insulin is a, you know, when you eat sugar and carbs, particularly you know, the glucose part of it there, you need to produce insulin to store that extra as fat. The problem with insulin is not only just the fat store, inflammation hormone, a major inflammatory. So if you reduce your sugar and carbs, you reduce your insulin production, you reduce your insulin inflammation. And it ha happens within days or weeks. It's just before weight loss. It's just blow away. And when you see it, then you don't need to operate on these people. Ultimately, they come back. I've got lots of patients you know, come back to me. Look, I've done low carb. I've been much better for five years, but now, I'm, now I do need my hip replacement. I do need my knee replacement. I want my foot surgery, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I look, we might be delaying the inevitable, but isn't that a good thing? Right. And uh, what are – so, um, you know, it sounds like some people are able to – um, some patients that come in are able to completely avoid the need for that reconstructive surgery. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I just, I'll go absolutely yes, definitely. I mean, it, it just I see it every week wow. where um, it, or we, we change tact on it. I, I saw it this week, last week, I saw a 75-year-old lady who six weeks ago had gone like, went low carb came and saw me and she said, okay, I'm convinced I'm going to do it. My husband's going to do it as well, but he didn't know about it at the time. And so she comes, comes in six weeks later, literally bounces through the door, 75-year-old lady. She says, I've got more energy than I've ever had in my life. I've lost a couple of kilos of weight. All my back pain has gone. That was her opening line. All my back pain has gone. She still had arthritic hands and feet and she still, you know, still wants something to be done. She said, all my pain's gone. You know, in, 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 and she said she had you know years of pain. Now that, that I can't, that's dramatic. That's about it. And you know, you, a bit like your diseasereversal.com. You can't ignore this when I see it every day. Right. And yeah. I get and the patients who, who aren't getting better, I say, have you adopted any of those changes we talked about last time? And they go, no. I go, I mean, that's the reverse. If I'm not saying this cures everyone. I'm not saying it is the answer for everything, but gee, it's bloody close to it. Right. And um, for the people who do, you know, maybe as you mentioned, it might just delay in some cases um, when they need to have that, uh, that major surgery. Um, how have you seen the adoption of this real food, low-carb, healthy-fat diet how has that or how has that affected uh, recovery time? The a I, I've seen it. It's very hard to quantify that. I'd have to say the patients uh, generally have less pain. They tend to get going a bit quicker. 
Now, that may be because they're a bit more motivated and they've taken back some control in their life. But there's good laboratory work to say that your immune function improves when you take sugar and carbohydrate out of the equation. We know that um, uh, in the state of ill health, whether or not you're a dog or a cat or a human, you move into a state of ketosis. You can just watch your dog or a cat after it's been injured. It lies in the corner. It moves into a state of ketosis. It doesn't eat. It just does, drinks a little bit. And then when it's well, it gets up and moves again. We should just watch our, our pets because that's what they do when they're sick. They stop eating. They go into ketosis. And so that state of ketosis, it's a bit like the... Um, safe mode on a computer with the bells and whistles whenever we get into strife we move into the safe mode and we wouldn't move we wouldn't you know mother nature doesn't let us move into the safe mode into ketosis unless there was a reason for it and in fact our daughter our our oldest daughter just had our second granddaughter or second grandchild a few months ago and she had terrible morning sickness you know, that first trimester, and it made me start looking at that because, you know, everyone's concerned that, oh, the mother's not eating well, clearly in a state of ketosis because we tested it, not ketoacidosis. And the literature, is there's a lot of research on what happens to mother, to the babies of mothers who are really sick in pregnancy. And that, interestingly, is that the babies are, healthy, are healthier, more likely to go through the term better weights, less congenital abnormalities, and end up being a bit smarter. Whereas the opposite end of the spectrum is gestational diabetes, where very poor blood glucose control, high blood glucose. And those, the women tend to have, you know, uh, preterm births. The babies are very heavy or very light. The higher congenital abnormalities, particularly the cardiovascular disease ones, Lots of birth problems, a lot more birth problems, and the children are more likely to have a bit of have ADD, attention deficit disorder. It's well documented. There's tens of thousands of cases on it. So you know, our our safe mode of life is ketosis. That's the way we we evolved. We didn't have sugar and carbohydrates or ready access to food every day. I've recently been looking after a um, an elite soldier. And in their training, they actually go, they go into ketosis. Um, Dom, Dom D'Agostino has been doing work with the Navy SEALs, but I, I had access to, this guy was telling me, we talked about it. And I said, how do you feel when you're in ketosis? And as a soldier, he said, he felt cunning. He felt they were, he was alert. He was more aware. He just felt that he was more, he was ready and that's what we were supposed to do in our evolution. You've got to believe in evolution, first of all, but you know, I'm not a new earth creationist, which unfortunately that group who are manipulating the dietary guidelines don't believe in evolution, so that becomes part of the game. So um, that's the way we evolved. We evolved in ketosis. Our babies are healthier in ketosis. When we're sick, we move into ketosis. That's our safe operating mode. And it, you know, it, it is kind of fascinating when I um, when I talk to friends and you know mention that sometimes I do some fasting and you know I do spend a lot of time I eat a ketogenic diet so I um, you know do spend most of my time in ketosis but fasting does the same thing. I think a lot of um, a lot of my friends hear that and they wonder well. You know, we've kind of been conditioned to believe that we've got to eat all the time to keep our energy up. And as you mentioned, um, your soldier patient told you, um, I guess when you go into ketosis, and that can be, again, through low carbohydrate, that can be through fasting, it's sort of the, um, you really, you feel very sharp and very engaged and you feel a high level of energy despite not, um, you know, not eating. You don't need the uh, sugar hit every two hours, kind of like we're generally told by, um, by convention and by the food industry. 
instead, um, people tend to really have good energy from not eating. It's kind of counterintuitive. We, we, virtually all of us are carrying around a super tanker of fuel on our on our bodies. You've just got to, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to, you've got to start using that super tanker. Um, and and fasting is, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I actually like eating. I'm not a great faster. I like eating yeah. food. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm operating a busy day, I don't eat. I'm not fussed by it. And in fact, my team um, are doing all of this. So we, that, you know, we might be operating all day and we start operating in the evening and the patients are worried and said, no, look, we're all, we're all keto. We're all cruising along here. Um, nobody's running off having a, you know, a food frenzy panic attack. And so it's, you know, it's as, right at the beginning, this is a complete no-brainer. We've got more potential to take back our health than we've been told and we, than we've been led to believe. And it's not about having more medication it, and um, it's not about going out and running to try and improve your health. Um, you know, the other analogy is, you know, if, what fuel you put in your car, you know. I mean, your car is meant to run on petrol or diesel. You never mix it up. A little right. bit in moderation won't hurt. Of course it does, you know, it creates trouble. So let's put the right fuel in our bodies to the way the engine was designed, fresh, local, seasonal, and then see how it runs rather than put the wrong fuel in and then go in and have services and medications and, and then, you know, try and drive the car. I mean, how stupid is it, you know, if your car's got the wrong fuel in it to try and drive it harder and faster so you can get, you know, so you can get rid of the, the, the engine not running properly. Just put the frigging right fuel in and see what happens. Yeah, I, uh, that makes total sense. And it, it just, it's amazing how much, it's amazing how sensible that message is and how, once you see it, how clear and obvious that message is, yet it's still ignored and or rejected by so much of um, convention and uh, the mainstream both in medicine and just in society it if it, it means unraveling your own education and i found that very confronting to find out that my textbooks were all wrong and my, that my teachers were wrong um i recently had the opportunity to give a talk to two of my old prof in, in the audience were two of my old professors and um I was talking about hiding things in plain sight. And at the end of the talk, these two professors that had taught me as a student um, gave me a great acknowledgement. They said, I wish, they said, I wish I'd known that when I was a teacher. And because, and all I did was point out something to them in plain sight. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they just went, oh, my God, really? Really? I, I said, yes, really. It's as simple as that. You missed it for your entire teaching career because they believed their teachers. They believed their textbooks, not realising that our medical education was corrupted in 1910 with the Flexner Report, which was commissioned by um, Andrew Carnegie of Steel and John Rock and Rockefeller of Oil. Um, that was a talk I did last year. It's on YouTube on the failure of medical education. And when you realise that our, you know, our, our nutrition education was manipulated since 1917 and made up by the cereal industry and our medical education came from Rockefeller and Carnegie, which was really the birth of the pharmaceutical industry, it's obvious. It's just obvious that, that you know, Harrison's textbook of medicine is, is the classic textbook. And last year or the year before, the editors, editors of that were paid over $12 million US by the pharmaceutical industry. So they're not going to change the book and say, actually, the book's completely wrong. We just need to take out 50% of the book and say, oops, go low carbon. You've reversed all of that. It's a massive turnaround to admit that we got it wrong. And I'm glad I admitted it early, but... 
a lot of doctors struggle to to admit that they might have gotten it wrong for that period of time. Yeah, it's um, it's a big big hurdle to get over mentally. I feel like, um, and you know, I, I hope more and more uh, people like yourself and uh, and like Tim Noakes, as you referenced earlier, can. Um, you know, can come to admit it and come out on the other side. And, um, you know, you're having wonderful results with, uh, with your patients and with the people that you're talking to on social media. And, you know, you're really getting a lot of, um, a lot of this message out there to people and it's very beneficial, um, in their lives. Um, I do want to come back to your, uh, your personal story for a second. Um, you know, metabolic syndrome, um, you know, headaches, reflux, high blood pressure, uh, skin conditions, you know, that's, you had a, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of ailments. Do you consider yourself cured of those conditions? No, I'm in permanent remission. Okay. You know, meaning that if I go back to eating that standard fare that's still recommended, then they're all going to come back. Yeah. And they'll be back tomorrow. And that, those occasional times when sugars slipped into my food, and I can remember a, a Thai salad once, I can remember a, 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 a soup that I had when I was doing some foreign aid work that was very spicy but clearly had sugar in it. And there's been a couple of other occasions when it snuck back in, not because I've let it in, because it snuck back in. I have had terrible nightmares that night, agitation, feeling crook. So I'm clearly sensitised to it now because I haven't had it for a long time. So, yeah, look, if, if I want those conditions back, um, yeah, they're there for the taking. So am I cured? I know that's what the podcast's about. Am I cured? No, I'm in, I'm in permanent remission. There you go. There's a different term. Yeah. So almost the same. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going back. Well, that's um, that's phenomenal. And, yeah, a lot of – I always like to ask that and hear, um, you know, some people kind of consider themselves cured, some don't. A lot a lot don't, despite uh, that being the title of the podcast. Um, and, yeah, other other guests have kind of – use similar thinking as you and yeah they say they prefer in remission hmm. um, no. i'm in permanent remission permanent remission <laughs> i i like that i like that um well i'm i've got another question that i ask everybody who comes on the podcast um now that you have improved your health what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before I'm still alive. That's it. Wow. Because wow. if I wasn't on this path, I'm fairly certain that the tumour would have taken over. And I'm here. So wow. that's, and I, every day I'm here. So that's it. That is uh, a very, very powerful thought. Um, wow, that's, you know, there are so many, uh, subjects and so many rabbit holes I'd like to go down, but I'll encourage the listener, um, to look up other podcasts that, uh, Dr. Fecky has been on, um, that can be anything from, uh, the peak human podcast to human performance outliers to keto dudes diet doctor podcast where you go into a lot of um a lot of the different rabbit holes that we've touched on maybe a little bit here um but maybe haven't had a chance to fully flesh out um now you, you kept know, asking me about me I don't, i'm not actually interested in me you know <laughs> I, let's just take this message to the people that's what it's about i i agree i agree um you know, are there any places that uh, the listeners can um, can hear more from you and 
uh, learn more from you, whether that's on social media or websites or anything um, like that? Both, both Belinda and myself have we're, have our own YouTube channel, so you can look up Gary Fetke, you can look up Belinda Fetke. Um, my, we're both on Twitter and um, uh, just look up Belinda or Gary Fetke, but uh, I'm no fructose or fructose no on Twitter. And um, that's where I say most of the things that I, where I'm getting cranky at the system. <laughs> I'm much more behaved on, on, on Facebook uh, and Instagram. But we're, we're there. Just look up our names and um, you'll find it. I, I recommend the science is, you know, is, is pretty simple. It's the Krebs cycle. Eat, eat by the Krebs cycle, fuel by the Krebs cycle, and have your micronutrients, you'll be healthier. Um, I, what I'm fascinated by, what Belinda and I are both fascinated, is the vested interests because that's what's stopping this message. And she's got a website called isupportgary.com. I realise that's a bit corny, but she did, She launched that to you know, help me get off some years ago. But her work is where you find out about the vested interest, you know, particularly the, the ideological ones, the combination of um, Coca-Cola, um, the food industry, where the church comes into it all. Because when you know what the enemy is, the enemy is not food. The enemy is the people telling us what food to eat and what's what being made available. We're very fortunate here in Tasmania. We can have fresh, local, seasonal, whole food based on our, you know, our, on our environment and our culture. We, we, we don't have it, highly processed food. Um, you know, we don't have stuff that comes in a cardboard box or a plastic bag. It's, um, we're very fortunate. And, and not, the whole rest of the world can't do that. You know, you know, not not. So you know, it's a bit of a struggle, but we can all move towards that concept, right? And um, so, come and you know, visit us. Say hello on social media. Um, we're out there, not going away for a while yet. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I can vouch for that. I appreciate the content that both you and Belinda put out there. Um, the podcasts that you and Belinda have been on, they are fascinating. It's fascinating hearing all the stories of, um, you know, of your patients. It's fascinating hearing um, the story of, that you went through in, in Australia and, um, you know, then your exoneration and in Belinda digging into, as you mentioned, learn about those vested interests and how they factored in. It's been uh, kind of mind-blowing to me over the years. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend the listeners um, check that out. And uh, those links will be in the show notes to this episode, and that'll be at youcuredwhat.com slash podcast slash Gary. Um, we'll have links including to... Um, uh, to your talk on YouTube about the failure of medical education um, and all of your social media. So we'll make sure we get those out the there. The other one which sort of it, it probably touches base on a lot of this is that um, the central role of nutrition in everything. That's one which covers a whole lot of this stuff as a bit of an intro almost to Belinda's work. That was done at the CrossFit Games a couple of years ago. But it, you know, it, it's all there. It's just... If you if you want to, if you ever want to play a game, the most important thing about playing a game is to find out what the rules are. And so that's what we've been done. That's what we've done. That's what we're letting people know. These this this is the game book that's out there. This is what's stopping this message of actually of your health coming back. And that scared us. But you know when. But, a lot of this stuff we held on to for some years, but now it's out there. And the more people that hear about those vested interests, the more protection we have. Um, that, that makes sense. And I, you know, I love that you're getting that out there and it's helped um, imprint that idea and that thought in my mind. So hopefully this can get it um, on the listeners' minds as well. Um, you know, I want to be respectful of your time here. I know it's uh, it's getting a little later there. Um, you know, in in Tasmania. Um, you know, in closing, do you have any other um, words of wisdom or any other message that you want to um, get out there before we close here? 
I wrote a book some years ago called Inversion, One Man's Answer for World Peace and Global Health, you know, just a little topic, <laughs> which is available from the I Support Gary website, and I'm not making any money from it, okay? <laughs> it's purely a message. And there's a final quote in there from mine, which um, I live by and I encourage everyone to live by. And it's only dead fish swim with the current. Huh. I like that. I like you know that. you're truly alive when you're swimming against, when you know something's right and people are telling you you're wrong, then it makes life interesting. It really does. And that's, that's a great message to, um, to leave the listener with here. Um, thank you so much uh, for the time today, Gary. I really appreciate it. All right. All the best, Joe. Thank you very much for yours. Have a, have a good morning. I'll have a good night. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another story of healing. <laughs>